It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Go get your jackets hockey on CBJ in 30. The latest updates by Bobby Mack. And when we are excited, It has been so long since I heard that song, and I just wanted to hear it again. I was getting ready for the show, I was running through some things, and I came across that open, and I said to myself, I gotta hear it again. I just wanna play it, and I'll tell you why. Very honestly, I'll tell you why. It takes me back to the dark days of COVID last year. The days when there was a season going on, and I was kinda separated from it, not in a spot that I normally am, But you were there, and you were listening every week, and you were asking your questions on the Monday Mailbag, and we were there for each other, and people wanted to get involved in different ways, and that song is one of those ways. So when I heard that, I said, I got to use this again. I got to use it today. This is is the day. I'm going to use it today. So welcome to another CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. This is the Monday Mailbag edition. I have a lot of questions. From you, I have a lot of answers for you. And more importantly, you know what we got yesterday? We got a roster. We got a Blue Jackets roster that sits right now 23 players as we move toward opening night on Thursday when the Arizona Coyotes come to Nationwide Arena. And that opening night game is going to be presented by Nationwide. And it is going to be a blast. I will guarantee you that. Because first and foremost... We can all be back. We can all be back where we want to be. We can all be back in the way that we want to be. And it's going to be awesome. But here's that roster. And I'll just go in alphabetical order. The forwards, Emil Bemstrom, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Igor Chinikov makes the roster. Max Domi, Gregory Hoffman, Boone Jenner, Sean Corrali, Patrick Laine, Gus Nyquist, Eric Robinson, Jack Roslovic, Cole Sillinger, Alexander Texier, and Jake Voracek. Those are your forwards. On the blue line, Jake Bean, Adam Boquist, Vladislav Gavrikov, Scott Harrington, Dean Kukin, Andrew Peak, and Zach Wierenski. And, of course, the two goaltenders, to no one's surprise, Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens. That's what the Blue Jackets put out yesterday. They made the cuts that they needed to make. There are some guys... That are on waivers, and we'll know by 2 o'clock this afternoon if they clear waivers. And uh, they were guys that, well, they got opportunities, and when it was all said and done, they were were just short. They were just a little bit short 
of making the cut. And I'm talking about defenseman Gabriel Carlson and Miko Lettinen and forward Kevin Stenland. Those three have to clear waivers before going to Cleveland of the American Hockey League. And Lettinen got the extra look in the game on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. He had a good game on Friday in St. Louis. He got the extra look on Saturday. Um, still just didn't quite get over the hump there. Kevin Stenland, I can't say that this is a surprise to me. Uh, it's disappointing from the fact that I like Kevin Stenland. I think he's a good guy. I think he is a, a good player. I think he's got a world more potential than we see him put out there every night, which is why he's going back to the American Hockey League. So that part of it, to me, is disappointing. This guy has an NHL shot, but he has not been able to find a way to consistently get himself in the lineup. With the size that he has and the shot that he has, the fact that he could not get into the lineup is concerning to me. But he didn't. He had his opportunities, and he didn't do it. And Gabriel Carlson, again, a defenseman. He's a former first-round pick. The Blue Jackets, when they took him, they traded up into the first round to get him. And he's a big guy. I think the difference between him being on this team and not being on this team is if he had played during the preseason the way that Andrew Peak played, then there would have been a real competition. But as it stood, I don't think there was any competition. I think Andrew Peak, the fact that he went out in those preseason games and he played a rough style of hockey, he was physical on the puck, on the puck carrier. He was always throwing the body around. He was told what it was going to take to make the team. He went out and he did exactly what he was told, and he made the team. It's as simple as that. Gabe Carlson, big guy. Look, you cannot get a person that is not really a physical person to become a real physical, hard-to-play-against defenseman. I, I just don't think you can. I remember when Mark Mathot was in the Blue Jackets system and when he was playing in the American Hockey League, you know, at that time, he was a big guy, and he was playing in a league that was very physical, and yet he wanted to skate the puck, and he wanted to shoot the puck, and he wanted to pass the puck, and he really didn't want to get into all that other stuff, like, you know, the the fighting aspect of it, or not that he wouldn't do it if he had to do it, but my whole point is his preference was to play the game. And at the time that he was coming through, is when you would just look at a guy's size and say, well, obviously this guy's got to be physical, this guy's got to fight, and that wasn't his forte. Now, obviously, he made it to the National Hockey League and he played for a long time for a couple of different franchises, including the Blue Jackets, of course. But the point is, had they tried to make him a physical, rough-and-tumble defenseman, I just don't think that that would have worked. And with Gabriel Carlson, I don't think that would work. And he didn't do it. And he's going to Cleveland. With Andrew Peake, a little bit different. Because in his mentality, obviously, they knew that he had that in him. It just needed to be explained to him that if he wanted to be on this team on the opening night roster, that he was going to have to show that he could do it not once, not twice, but three, four, five times in camp in preseason games. And kudos to him. He did that. Now he has to keep doing it every night in the National Hockey League. And that is the bigger challenge. But he got through camp. He did what he was supposed to do. And he's on the roster. Of course, uh, Chinikov and Sillinger being on the roster at the beginning of camp. If they weren't, I would have said what happened. By the end of camp, you know, there were glimpses of, 
at least reasons that they could have not been on the roster. But when all is said and done, I thought Cole Sillinger played a really good game against Pittsburgh. I know Brad Larson kind of tamped it down uh, in his postgame comments, but then Cole came up and uh, got to the podium, and he said, I think I played my best game tonight, and I agree. And obviously, the organization agreed because that final decision was that he's going to stay. He's going to get the opportunity to play in the National Hockey League as an 18-year-old starting on Thursday. And that's great. That's great. Because this team, where it is right now, I think you can afford to do that. I think you can afford to do that with both of these guys. And if something happens and I'm wrong and they're wrong, then you have options as to where they can go and they can develop a little bit more. So I, I think this is uh, really, I guess, it's it's almost a no-brainer roster when it's all said and done. And there it is. So now you know what you'll be looking at on Thursday night when the Arizona Coyotes come to town. Now, before I get to your questions, I've got to tell you about my good friends over at Tell Ohio Credit Union. And I don't just say that because they're sponsors of this show. I've met the people from Tell Ohio Credit Union, and they are good people. They are genuine, fine people that work hard and have a good time and all those things that I love about them. All those things I love about life, I love about these people. But Tell Ohio Credit Union, overall, they've been a strong and a stable financial institution in Central Ohio since 1934. They're not-for-profit. They're full-service financial institution cooperative. What does that mean? Break that down for me. Okay, I'll do that. Tell me what a full-service financial institution cooperative is. Well, that means the members are owners and can expect to receive high-quality financial services to meet all of their needs. So if you become a member, you become an owner. It's really that simple. Now listen, Tell Ohio Credit Union is the number one SBA lender among Ohio credit unions. They have over 70,000 members and they give back too. The volunteer hours that have been served in the community, over 7,500 volunteer hours. That is a lot. Find out more about Tell Ohio Credit Union and why you should become a member. All you have to do is go to their website at tellohio.org. Tell Ohio Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. All right, so that takes care of those good people. And now I'm going to take care of you good people and the questions that you have for me. Now, before we begin this week's show, I want to go with a little flashback to last week's show. I got a tweet from Jody, which I do quite frequently. And Jody's question last week was, how do you get more women involved in uh, the Blue Jackets, in the game of hockey, and in this show? All of those things. And I answered her question, and, you know, I put a little bit of the responsibility on you to bring new fans in, bring them in. I don't care if they're uh, – I, I don't care who they are, what they are, what they think. doesn't matter. Bring them in. Make them fans. It's all, I'm good with all that. So um, that's what I said to Jody last week, which then prompted this response this week that I'll lead off with. Hey, Bobby Mack, this is Lauren from Florida. I know I promised last season that I would do an audio question, so I'm starting off this season by fulfilling my promise, doing an audio question. The second thing I want to clarify, I am a female and I have been asking questions, so Jody. I'm recording this right after listening to the first Monday mailbag of this season. I have been asking questions too, not as consistently as Jody. I will admit that, but I have. 
I just, you know, I'm in college and can't ask questions every week, but I try. <laughs> and so my question for today is I, a little bit of a look to the past and to the future. John Tortorella was brought to Columbus to create a better culture in the locker room and in the team and in the organization as a whole. And so culture is kind of a broad term, but over the years you would hear about leadership and tenacity and, and, you know, work ethic and all of that. And I'm interested to see what do you think is a core value, like the most important thing specifically that he taught that, you know, players like Zach Wrenski and Boone Jenner and Oliver Bjorkstrand who were there for that and can then pass that on to the younger players and, you know, keep that legacy going into the future. What do you think is that key ingredient that this team needed that's going to carry them into the brighter days that lie ahead? Because I think this team is going in a great direction, even despite, you know, some of the struggles that they've had. So I'm excited to hear your answer on this. And um, thank you for opening up the questions to audio and Instagram and video and all these different things, because I think it makes the podcast even more fun and interesting And um, as someone who has been listening to the podcast for a few years now, I just want to say thank you for always taking our questions and doing such a great job. Hope you're all staying safe and healthy and blessed out there. And uh, happy Monday. Great job, Lauren. And you made it look easy. Made it sound easy, I should say. You know why? Because it is easy, but you pulled it off masterfully. And I really appreciate it. And Lauren's right. She has asked many, many, many questions via Twitter on this show. So it's uh, really good to hear your voice for the very first time. Keep it up. Keep doing it. It's a good question here. And when I think about it, the most important thing that will carry over from John Tortorella to Brad Larson, what is the most important lesson that Tortorella taught that is going to stick with the players that played with him and will still be in full effect with Larson as the head coach? I've got it down to one word, Lauren, and I think this word covers a lot of stuff. And my one word is accountability. And John Tortorella used to say, and you heard him say it many, many times in my interviews with him, accountability is a nice word to use in the summertime. But can you come out and live it during the season? That's basically what he said. That's that's not a direct quote, but the, the nice word in the summertime part, that is a direct quote. I recall that over and over and over. But I'll tell you why that's the word that I use, because I think it covers so much stuff. I think if you are accountable, you are a good teammate. I think if you're accountable, that you are working hard. I think that if you're accountable, you're making sure that others are working hard. I I just think that that word covers it all. But Torts was right when he said that. In the summer, you can say, I'm going to be accountable, and then I'm going to be accountable, and I'm, I'm still going to be accountable. And then when it starts, are you? Are you really going to be? Because if you're not, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb, and it's going to be an issue. And that's why I think that the Boone Jenners and the Zach Waranskis, those guys, I think they just live that now. I really do. I told you this story before. I'm going to tell you again. First year John Tortorella was coaching, there was a dinner, uh, some Some people would want a contest to have a dinner in the room where the players eat after practices and after games. And they were supposed to be able to ask questions of the coach. Now, when the deal was made, the coach was Todd Richards. 
when the dinner came around, the coach was John Tortorella. And it was early in his tenure. And I was asked by somebody, since I had already established a, a little bit of a relationship at that time with him through the interviews, uh, they said, hey, would, would you mind coming to this event and being there in case, you know, Torts needs, in case Torts needs any help? Torts needed zero help, by the way. The, the questions that he answered, the way he answered those questions that night, I was like, wow, I have never heard this stuff here before. Well, I'll tell you now because he's gone. You know, Sergei Bobrovsky and Jonas Corposalo were going to be the goalies the, the next year. And, you know, he just came out and he said, you know, we have a goalie competition. And if Bobrovsky's not the best one, he's not going to play. And I was like, wow, that is, that's something else. I, I've never, I've never heard a coach say that kind of stuff uh, outside private conversations here before. And here he is saying, saying it in front of a group of fans. But again, after that dinner was over, he told me, he pointed, we were in the main dressing room and he, he took his, he took his index finger and he just moved it around in a circle. And he said, we're going to change this in here. We're going to change all of this culture in here. And that is what he did. Uh, to me, that is going to be his legacy with this franchise because a lot of coaches can come in and say, we're going to change the mindset and we're going to change uh, the way the players see it. And uh, we're, we're going to make it different. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do, but he did it. Now, he'd done it before. He had experience in it, and he didn't mind being the bad guy, right? We all know that. He loved to be the bad guy. So he was going to change it, and if you didn't like it, it was his way or the highway. And we saw that, too. We saw that last year. So that is going to be what he leaves with this franchise, in my opinion. But that accountability factor... I think that covers so many bases. And, and Brad Larson is going to hold players to be accountable in the very same way. Remember, Larson coached with Tortorella for six years. He learned a lot. And just like anything else that you do in life, when you are in a learning situation, you take, you take the good parts and you make sure that you continue to do those good parts. And if there are some things that you see that that didn't work or you don't think you can make them work or well it's I'm taking something from this situation moving it over to this situation and it's not quite the same so this this part of it's not going to work so we just throw that out just throw it out I, I think it's the same way if you're a player and a coach is critiquing you on something you know they're always going to tell you things that are going to help you to become better and then there are going to be some other things in there that whether they're frustrated with you or whether it wasn't really you that this pertained to and they bring it up, there's going to be some of that conversation that you just take and get rid of it. You know, I always, you know, coaching kids in baseball, I, I tell them, I'd say, listen, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you all of this. I want you to take, I want you to take the bulk of it and the good parts that you feel that you can relate to. And I want you to do those things. And the things that you think that I'm telling you are just garbage, then don't do those things. I'm fine with that. Now, if they happen to do, or if they happen to throw away something that they thought was garbage and I thought was really important, well, then that affected how much they played. But that's neither here nor there. So that's that's what I think is going to stay the same with Brad Larson. And he is he approaches things differently. He still has the same rules. He still has the same expectations. It is just a little different approach along the way. So Lauren, I hope that that answers 
your question. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do while we're taking her question. Let's just stay with the ladies because Jody is checking in again this week via Twitter. And here's what Jody says. To me, Alexander Texier seemed to disappear during the preseason, yet Igor Chinikov kept standing out. I have to admit, Chinikov's transition from the larger ice to the smaller hasn't been that big of an issue like it is for most players coming from overseas. Well, Jody, I uh, I agree with that, although Chinikov was on the fourth line against Pittsburgh, and I didn't think that he stood out in that way. I thought he had some really bright spots in camp. I thought maybe in the last couple of games he didn't stand out as much as he did early on, but I had a conversation yesterday with Jody Shelley about that, and he... Uh, he said something that I think is very spot on, especially when I talked about Chinikov playing on the fourth line in that Penguins game. He said, I think they're trying to use him and Sillinger in all different roles because I think they wanted to take that preseason and try to figure out exactly what they have in these two young guys. And that makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. You know, Sillinger was centering the first line in the first, well, in his second preseason game the first one that Voracek and Line played. And then by the game against the Penguins, he was out there with Jenner and Domi. And Texier was on that first line. But yeah, I I will agree with you on the part of Alexander Texier. He, he still has left me wanting more. I think not only do I want more, I think the Blue Jackets need more out of Alexander Texier. How are they going to get it? How are they going to ultimately use him? Are they going to leave him on that first line to start in the first game on Thursday night? That'll be interesting to see if they give him the big responsibility or if they take away some of that responsibility based on what they saw overall during the preseason. So that's one of many little nuggets to watch this week. All right, I've got another voice question for you. Let's go to it right now. Hey, this is Charlie from North Carolina. After seeing who the Blue Jackets put on their roster for opening night, sent up to Cleveland and placed on waivers. How do you think their defense is going to bode this year without Seth Jones? And do you think they'll have some good productivity? Thanks. Well, it's a really good question. And I think it's fair to say that without Seth Jones, without David Savard, I think in some ways it becomes less defensive and more offensive. So I think it's going to be productive offensively. Remember, Zach Wierenski, once upon a time, not long ago, had 20 goals in a season. And Adam Boquist has great potential offensively. I think Jake Bean has a little bit there, too. So I, you know, they're defensemen, so I don't want to say that you got to give that part up and you've got to get points, or you're going to get points instead. Uh, They're going to have to play, they're going to have to play well defensively. I think, though, when it comes to, uh, productivity, I think maybe there's the potential to get more goals off the back end this year. And I think sometimes last year, we wished that there were more goals that came from the blue line. So we'll have to see how that all pans out. And I'll talk more about uh, the roster and who's here, who's not. Uh, I'm sure I'll touch on more of that as we go along. Let's get to the next question. Hi, Bob Matt from Southeast Virginia. Two questions. First off, has there been any talk about having a future outdoor stadium game uh, at the shoe? And second question is, everything I've been reading in the national media has Columbus billed as a uh, rebuild and everyone's picking them to finish either last or second to last 
in the metro. Is it, you've kind of alluded to it in your last Monday mailbag, but is it blind optimism to think that this team is actually better than everyone's giving it credit for? And uh, with that, what do you think that realistic expectations are for uh, this year's team? Well, Matt, let me answer your questions in order, starting with the outdoor game. There's always talk about playing an outdoor game at Ohio Stadium. A lot of that talk is amongst you, the fans. We talk about it, too. I mean, you know, it's a subject of conversation here and there. Look, I'll just tell you this. I think that there are a lot of people that want to see it happen. I think that uh, the timing has to be right on it. There's a whole bunch of things uh, that have to happen. I don't even know what all of those things are, okay? I'm not going to pretend that I know. I'm not going to say that this party wants this and this party wants that and and the league wants this. I'm not going to do any of that. I just know that, uh, just like when you talk about it, it's out there. There are more people than just you talking about it. And I feel that someday that's going to happen. But don't try to pin me down as to when someday is, because that I can't tell you right now. Now, to your other question. Yes, I did allude to this during last week's edition of this show, that I think the Blue Jackets love to play that underdog role. I think that being overlooked is going to work very much in their favor. Are they going to make the playoffs? I'm not going to tell you that, but I think that they are going to be in the hunt. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're still in the hunt late in the season because of the talent that they have. So that is, realistically, that's where I'm at realistically. I'm not lying to you. I'm I'm not lying to you at all. And I'll go into further depth on all of that right after this question from this guy that those of you that are regular listeners, you have been waiting. And now you will get a treat because he's back. Hey, Bobby Mack. Your main man is back. Cameron Maynard here in Four Hills, Kentucky. Hope you had a good summer. Over the summer, you know, other than the draft and, you know, resigning Elvis to five years and stuff like that, I haven't really kept up with the Blue Jackets through the offseason. However, there's one question that is hanging in my mind as we go into the season. Of course, we have players like Patrick Laine, Jacob Voracek, you know, Adam Boakfast, Zach Wierenski, Oliver Bjorkstrand. You know, we got Merzlikens and Corby back. So, I mean, there's talented players on this squad. Now, you know, whether or not, you know, there's been a definitive answer, you know, through the off season and through the summer, you know, like I said, I may have missed it because I haven't really been paying attention that much. But, but re- really, here's the only question that I'm going to ask as this season starts to begin. Do you think this team – is in a rebuild or a reload. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence between the two because you know, we we trade Felino and Savard off for the three first round picks. But yet, you know, we've still got, you know, those talented players on the squad that I just mentioned, you know, that make it to where, you know, it's not unrealistic to at least make the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, the way I look at it um, as a result is you know, I don't really – it's hard for me to see, like, you know, what direction this team is heading. Like, what's the plan? Are they rebuilding or reloading? You know, because, you know, at one time, you know, they've – you know, they load up on first-round picks in the – you know, in this year's draft. But yet, you know, they've got those other players on the squad that I mentioned that that make it to where, you know, a Stanley Cup playoff run is at least possible. So I think that's going to be something that's interesting to find out, you know, as this season, you know, starts next week. I look forward to you answering my question. And, you know, as always, go Jackets. Thanks, Bob. 
Welcome back, Cameron. Appreciate your question. Now, what is the answer? Rebuild or reload? Let me start by saying this, and I will answer it, but let me give you a little backstory first. It's very hard when last year you're struggling, you know the team's not going to make the playoffs, you get into a spot where you trade Nick Foligno and you trade David Savard. Two mainstays for many years with the Blue Jackets. It is tough to see those guys go. And then the season ends and you pretty much get the indication that you're going to have to trade Seth Jones because he's not going to stay either. So that's another blow. And before I talk about the first round of the draft or that night of the first round, which was terrific, I got to go one step further. Day two of the draft, Cam Atkinson, another mainstay for a long time, gets dealt to the Philadelphia Flyers. Those four guys are a huge part of the core, or they were a huge part of the core of this team. And it's upsetting when you see that as a fan. What's going on here? What are you doing? You trying to tear this whole thing down? What's happening here? But listen, if you follow this sport on a regular basis, or if you followed it even for the last couple of years, can we just be completely honest with each other about what happens in hockey? You have a core of players. You develop those players, and if you surround them with a good supporting cast, then you get a chance to get into the playoffs, and if you're lucky, you have a chance to go deep into the playoffs. And that window is going to be open for you to add around those players for a couple of seasons. But you will reach a point with that group where the salary cap comes into play, where, you know, uh, the older they get, the more money they're going to expect to get paid. Uh, They put up points. They deserve the money. You can't pay everybody. You got to make decisions, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So you get to a point where it's time for that group to move on and it is time for a new group to take its place and start again. But you don't have to start at the beginning, which takes me back to the trade of Seth Jones. Going into that night, we had the draft party at Nationwide Arena. We were doing a show that started an hour before the draft itself. And for weeks, I was of the opinion that the Blue Jackets were going to go to a dark place for a couple of seasons because it just looked that way. You, know, you, you read about trade speculation. You know, you could see it kind of dwindling down to where there was only one or two teams maybe that you had a chance to, to make a, a decent deal with. And then you wondered if uh, because there weren't a bunch of teams pushing, if Yarmo would be able to get the, the deal that would be a fair deal or make you come away from that thinking, okay, I can live with that. But he did get that deal. He did get it. Is Jake Bean or Adam Boquist going to be Seth Jones this year? Doubtful. Very doubtful. Because it took Seth Jones a couple of years to become Seth Jones. But they got two NHL defensemen in that trade. You traded one, and he was a good one. A really good one. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away. Traded a really good one. And you came back with two for the price of one. Are they as good? Maybe not right now. Could they be as good? Why not? It's up to them. 
but why not? So you got two of those defensemen. So now you plug some holes, right? There were some holes in the dam. You're plugging holes right now. We got to stop these leaks. Can't let this dam break. In the meantime, you wind up with two first-round picks, one this year, one next year. And you've got the guy targeted that you want to take with that pick. And now you're just hoping that he's going to be there when it comes time to select. But before you select with that pick, you have the fifth overall pick. And they go out and they get Kent Johnson, who is playing at University of Michigan this year. And I don't know if you've watched any of the highlights from his first couple of games, but uh, he's got some skill. He's got some real, real skill. Very talented guy. A playmaker, a, a guy, a dynamic type of a guy, which is what the Blue Jackets just really don't have. So, so you get him, and then you're saying, okay, well, that that's a great pick. That I could see that. I could see that working. And then you get to that pick that you acquired from Chicago and you take Cole Sillinger. And now you're getting even more excited. And when I look at that, and then Chinikov comes over here. I mean, the other two Russian guys, Kirill Marchenko and Dmitry Voronov, I've talked about that. How many years have I talked about these guys? How many years have you asked me about these guys? And they're still over there playing in the KHL. And they, it's their right. They can do whatever they want. I get it. You know, Marchenko's supposed to come next year. Voronkov's supposed to come the year after that, whatever. Hope they do because they're supposed to be good. But my point is I'm talking about these guys forever. And then you got this Chinikov guy who gets taken last summer and nobody on the national TV broadcast know who he is. They go scrambling, the research department. People are getting fired because they didn't have the research on this guy. I don't know if they were getting fired. I just threw that in. But he comes right over. Rookie of the year in the KHL. I'm good. I want to go to North America. Comes over here. Could have gone to Cleveland. Maybe still could go to Cleveland at some point. But he's here. Ready to play. So, Cameron, this is a very long-winded way of saying that I thought that this was going to be a rebuild. No matter what was being said, when I looked at it, Prior to the first round of the draft, I was saying rebuild. And this is going to be a challenge. And after that day and the next day, and now watching this camp, I lean more toward reload than rebuild. That's where I am on it. So if you're not there yet, maybe you get there. And I only say maybe because now the players have to perform. I can tell you whatever. I can tell you anything. I can say it with confidence. And you can believe me that if the players don't go out and do what I'm speculating and what I'm talking about and what you're hoping, none of that matters. So it is now on them. It's now on them to show what they can do. But I think there is talent here. Some of it is very raw. Some of it will take time to develop. Sometimes we might be saying, why are they developing this in the National Hockey League? Maybe it should be developed somewhere else. That's possible. But I think with this team where it is right now, it's got a, uh, a coaching staff that is a developmental coaching staff. They are a bunch of teachers. And I mean that in as a highest compliment. They are teachers. 
They are going to have these players develop, but these guys are going to have to do it under the toughest conditions in the world. They're going to play against the toughest opposing players in the world. By the way, one last thing I forgot to add on my whole, you get that group and if you get so far and then you move that group out and a new group comes in. The only way that you don't subscribe to that theory in this league, in my opinion, and I think I'm right on this, is if you have a couple of superstars. You know, Pittsburgh's got decisions to make on Malkin, Latang. They're up for new contracts. Crosby wants them to stay around. Well, that's great, Sid. But we got to fit them under the cap. But if you have a Crosby, if you have a McDavid, and you have to put Dreisaitl alongside a McDavid, if you have a Taze and a Kane, like Chicago does, then I think it's a little bit different then, but maybe not, because here you keep the Jenner and the Wierenski, and they become the main cogs in the wheel now, right? They were there, and, and Boone especially was a part of the leadership group, but now you know exactly where the focus is with those two guys. So, um, you know, it happens to everybody. It happens to everybody. But as I said, now it's on the players. They're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out quicker than you and I figure it out. I'll tell you that right now. All right, back to Twitter at Bobby Max Sports. Kirk Diekman says, so Voracek in the last game, three penalties and was slow as molasses getting to the bench in overtime that gave Pittsburgh the power play in the win. He seemed well tired comes to mind. Any worries about his endurance in the regular season? No, Kurt, I don't have any worries about that. Um, I know he argued the penalties. Uh, he didn't think that, at least the first two, I, I feel that he didn't think that those were legit penalties. And it doesn't matter if they are or they aren't. Listen, Jake Voracek was playing against the Pittsburgh Penguins. You think you don't like the Penguins as a Blue Jackets fan with the playoff matchups that have gone on? How do you think Jake feels? He was in Philadelphia playing the Penguins. Regular season, playoffs, they hate each other. They hate each other. They just do. So for him to take a couple more games in a or for him to take a couple of more penalties in a game against Pittsburgh, count me as not surprised. Number one. Number two, the slowest molasses thing, I don't know without looking at a replay if I'm going to agree with you on that. I thought the timing just sucked. I thought that the puck just happened to come out of the zone and Oliver Bjorkstrand, he saw Jake coming. And I, I think, look, he anticipated it too well, right? It's like jumping off sides in football. You know, when the... Uh, when that defensive end, he's anticipating, anticipating, and then he jumps, and then it's a five-yard penalty, and you give the other team a first down, and coach is going out of his mind, and the fans are crazy, and you just want to hide under a rock, and, and there's no rocks to be found. I, I think it was that same kind of thing. I think Bjorkstrand was sitting there saying, man, here comes that puck. I can grab this thing. I can walk it right back in, and all of a sudden, too many guys out there. I, I don't I, I don't I didn't see Jake as being slow as molasses. I just saw Bjorkstrand seeing a play and knowing he had to wait. I gotta wait, gotta wait, gotta wait, can't wait. Boom. Out there. And I and I, I and I'm not blaming it on Bjorkstrand either. I'm not saying there's any fault. I think it's just how the play happened. 
personally. So I have no concerns about Jakub Voracek's endurance throughout the year. I don't. He's going to be he's a pro. He's an absolute pro. And I think we're happy to have him back on this team to be honest. Sela checks in and says, "What are your thoughts on the number 1 centerman from the preseason? Three players were auditioning for that spot. Who looked the best and should we think of Max Domi there too?" Talk about Domi in a minute. Um because I'll, I've got, I'll lump, I'll lump Max into something else that'll answer that part of the question. Uh, I don't know. Again, I was, I was left wanting more with Alexander Texier centering that line. Boone Jenner was there. I just, I don't think that's going to be the best utilization of Boone Jenner. I think it's something you can do if you have to do it. But I, I hope there's another option there. And I didn't mind Sillinger there. I don't know if he's ready for that. I don't know if they are going to test him later this week to see if he's ready for that or not. But um, but I wouldn't. I'd be fine if he started there. To be honest with you, can he handle it? I don't know. But how are you going to know until you do it? But I I just don't know. I really and I wish I did know. I I wish I felt more confident about this. And maybe with a John Tortorella, I would, because I felt like, oh, this is scary what I'm going to say. I felt like I could think kind of like him in some ways, you know, and like every time I asked him something about a player and uh, went from a certain standpoint, nine out of 10 times, we were on the same wavelength. So again, scares me to death. But um, I, I don't know if Texier showed enough to grab that number one spot or are they going to give it to him by default and let him lose it? You know, are they going to give him the responsibility and say, all right, kid, now listen, this isn't preseason anymore and you have this job, but if you're not doing it, we're going to find somebody else to do it. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, James Ayers says, Brad Larson said that Cole Sillinger is here to be a centerman. Do you expect Max Domi to be in the opening night lineup? And do you think, in light of this, that he is a winger now? And who do you see as the four regular, fully healthy team centermen this season? And I'll be making the trip from Dallas for the first two games. Well, safe travels, James, of course. Um, Domi's on the wing, and Brad Larson has said that. And look, Max Domi came over here, and we... Pumped him up as a centerman and all this stuff. But remember, remember, in Montreal, they took him out of the middle and they put him on the wing. They didn't feel that he was handling the defensive responsibility of the center position well enough. And they put him on the wing. And he came here and he was at center. And John Tortorella said he's not playing well defensively enough to be at center. He's going on the wing. He was on the wing against the Penguins. He will be on the wing when the season starts as it stands right now. Yeah, I said that with great conviction, and then I thought, well, if he's starting at center on Thursday, then I'm going to hear it because I really don't know, but I think I think very strongly that's where he's going to be. And Sillinger's going to be in the middle, and he's going to be on the wing. Yes, I think that. I think you're, I think you're going to have um, – so who is it going to be? Texier obviously will be in the middle. Uh, Sillinger is going to be in the middle. Roslovic will be in the middle. Corrali will be in the middle. That's the way it looks. Those being your four centermen. At least to start. But everything is up to change. And you know what I like about that? Boone Jenner's on the wing. 
We've talked about this for years. Boone is a very serviceable centerman. Don't get me wrong. I just think he's better on the wing when he has less defensive responsibility and he can bang the hell out of everybody and just physically wear him down. My opinion, once again. Uh, Let's see. Monsignor has this question. Sometimes... Sometimes the Twitter handles, I, sometimes I love them, sometimes I scratch my head. But anyway, here is the question. It says, hey, Bob, is this the year that Scotty H consistently makes the starting lineup? Scotty H, of course, being Scott Harrington. Here's my true answer. I wish. I really do wish. I love Scott Harrington. I think he is one of the greatest people on the face of the planet. I really do. And what I don't mind about Scott Harrington is every time he plays, I know what I'm going to see. I'm going to see a guy that works hard. I'm going to see a guy that penalty kills. And sometimes I'm going to see a guy that makes mistakes, and they can be big mistakes. But I really don't care because I still think that the positives outweigh the negatives. And I hope that he gets that opportunity. Look, there are seven guys on this list right now, right? Andrew Peek's in. Andrew Peek is in the five because of the way that he played. Now, are you going to go with Dean Kukin or Scott Harrington? And when I asked Brad Larson about this last week, one day, I forget what day it was. Anyway, I asked him specifically, you know Scotty really well. You've been with him here for years. Where is he for you? And the one thing that he brought up, his ability to be a good penalty killer gives him an edge over some others. But then again, Kukin is good in the transition game. So which way do you want to go? Where do you want to be? I think that's going to be a rotating spot anyway. Um, I don't know if it is going to be the year that Harrington is a regular in the lineup, but this is his best chance as a Blue Jacket, in my opinion. Best opportunity is right now. What else we have here? We have uh, B. Huffman, 22. Says, if if Chinikov slates in as a bottom six with no power play time, is that slowing his development? Yes. Yes, it is. I think he can play bottom six, but you got to have him on the power play. He's got to be on the second unit, right? With that shot, he's got to be on the second unit. My opinion. But I think it's your opinion, too, or you wouldn't be asking the question. Tough to get in the top six with the guys they have. Vorchek is on one line. Bjorkstrand's on a line. How are you getting past those two? You're not. So you're looking automatically at third line or fourth line. But with that shot and that skill, I cannot see him not being on a power play unit. Just can't. And finally, my last question to give to you today is from Siebes, who says, do you think the Blue Jackets could do a better job marketing. Maybe take some of the personalities like Elvis or big names like Line A and use them to promote the team better. When Panarin was here, it seemed like we didn't utilize him at all for the marketing side. Any thoughts? But I'm not speaking on behalf of the team here. I'm just giving you my thoughts. Can they do a better job? Yeah, and I think that that's one of the many things that has been discussed here is, is doing better work in promoting your players and promoting your sport. And and again, the players have to be bought in too. And I think that Elvis is. I hope that Patrick is. Uh, they are they're major players on this team. 
but uh, they've got to be, it's got to be a partnership. It really does have to be a partnership. And Aaron Johnson was brought in here as a concierge, but Aaron Johnson's job is to take care of the players and their families. And Aaron Johnson, being a former NHL player himself and playing for a lot of different franchises, he brings a lot of viewpoints. He's seen things done differently in many places. And it's not all on him, but I think he's somebody that can help in this realm a lot. Because, and so, and by the way, so can Rick Nash. So can Derek Dorsett, who now is back in the organization. I mean, listen, you hope that every player that you have always stays with your team from the beginning of their career to the end of the career. You hope that. I do. I, I always hope that with the guys. But the fact of the matter is that the vast majority of them move on and they go other places. And now it's not a bad thing because they bring all of that experience and all those things that they have seen and heard and been a part of elsewhere, they bring that back. And some of the things that you may not be doing and other teams did and you didn't even realize they were doing, these types of individuals can bring that to you. They help you become better as an organization. So don't be fooled. These guys are hired, like Rick and Derek, they're hired in the player development department, but they can bring so much more based on where they've been, what they've seen, and who they've played for. So I do think that all of that as a partnership is going to get better with this team. That's what I think, Seeps. So there you go. That is your Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Hey, big week this week for shows. So listen up. So I'm doing this show right now on Monday, October the 11th, um, tomorrow. Tomorrow evening, Tuesday, October 12th, Jody Shelley and I have the inside edge. Yarmo Kekalainen and Brad Larson will both be on the show. Okay, you can catch that on 97.1 The Fan on uh, tomorrow evening, Tuesday evening, October the 12th. If you miss it live, it'll be right here where you're getting this. Wherever you get CBJ and 30 on your, where you get your podcasts, it'll come to you. All right. And then on Wednesday, we're going to have Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Jody Shelley, Jean-Luc Grandpierre, Jeff Rimmer, me, we're all going to get together, roundtable style, and give you a season preview. Talk about the team, talk about the battles, talk about who made it and how they made it, uh, what we're looking for from them, and uh, we'll talk about the league. Look, going back into the Metropolitan Division, big deal, right? It's a very big deal for this team. Uh, The teams are going to play, the level of talent they're going to face, so that is going to be on Wednesday night on 97.1 The Fan, and again, Same thing. If you miss it live, you'll get it right here where you get your favorite Blue Jackets podcasts. Like this one. I know this one's your favorite. I know. I get it. I understand. And for good reason. Because it's the best. But anyway, thank you for your questions. I appreciate them as always. We'll do it again next week. So make sure that you keep thinking up the questions, keep sending them to me, and I will keep answering them for you. 
So once again, that'll put the final wrap on this edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.